Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock, and we are continuing our 23 questions series. We're going to do two more questions here on this podcast. We're going to talk about the safeties, and we're going to talk a little backup quarterback as well on this podcast. So let's start with uh, first the safeties. And Ashley, this was uh, your question that you did a post on. How different will safeties jobs be? Under Jim Schwartz. So I, I guess get us started here. What what sort of is the premise of, of what you wrote about? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was largely about how the safeties room looks different this year. Um, obviously, JJ3 is gone. Um, Ronnie Harrison Jr. is still out there as a free agent. They've brought in Juan Thornhill, who obviously has this championship pedigree um, from his time in Kansas City. Uh, winning a couple Super Bowls over there in the first couple years of his career. Um, And they also brought in Rodney McLeod, who is a Jim Schwartz guy. He spent six seasons in Philly. Most of those were playing under Jim Schwartz as D coordinator. He won a Super Bowl there in 2017. Um, But it's also how the safeties are used in Jim Schwartz's system. And from what we've seen so far, it is different than how those guys were used under Joe Woods, where, you know, JJ3 was pretty much your dedicated free safety at that starting spot. Grant Delpit was the strong safety. We've seen these guys, they've essentially said there are no free and strong safety positions, no dedicated spots at those positions. It's right and left. Um, We've seen Juan Thornhill play up. We've seen Grant play back, something we haven't, didn't really see too much of last year in my memory. Um, And we've seen vice versa. And then of course you have Rodney who kind of comes in there. I know Ephraim Banda, the safeties coach, joked that he calls him Coach Rodney, I believe, because he just has such an understanding of Jim Schwartz's defense. But this whole, like, no free and no strong safety was kind of like the genesis of this idea for me because we heard a lot of guys talk about that um, in minicamp and OTAs. So, Mary Kay, this wasn't like a full remaking of the safety room. There are there are guys back, but, of course, the big – the big change is John Johnson the third gone, as Ashley mentioned, and Juan Thornhill in. How is this time gonna be different from the from the last time, right? Like John Johnson was a big time free agent safety signing. Juan Thornhill kind of the same deal, sort of making up for that not working out. How is Juan gonna be different adding him instead of JJ3? Well, I think they're going to have to see how it fits together. Uh, you know, I think we all expected that JJ3 was going to be that key piece in the secondary, and everyone was really excited about what he was going to bring to the table. And then ultimately, we came to find out that, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily think that he was being used in ways that maximized his abilities and skill set. Uh, Jim Schwartz comes in with a completely different philosophy. So that's probably the number one difference. Maybe Jim Schwartz would have seen John Johnson the third differently than, than Joe Woods did. 
But I think, you know, that's that's part of it is that Jim Schwartz is bringing a new pair of eyes to the the secondary and the safety position. And um, and he's also going to be playing a lot of three safety sets. We do know that about him. I think there will be more times when you'll you'll see three safeties on the field than you will see three linebackers on the field. So that versatility is very key. These guys have to be able to, you know, cover the tight ends and the backs and do all the things that they need to do. They have to be able to stop the run. They have to be able to play deep and all kinds of different things that they need to do. So there will be plenty of times when uh, Juan Thornhill, Grant Delpit, and Rodney McLeod are on the field at the same time. There will be times when one of those guys is playing over the the slot receiver uh, or whoever's in the slot. And so, you know, these guys have to be able to be jacks of all trades. They have to be able to do everything. Um, But hopefully Juan Thornhill will be everything to the Cleveland Browns that he was to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, he was a very key player, a key contributor. One of the things that I think he does really well is he's a ball hawk. uh, And, you know, he can get some of those interceptions. And if those guys up front are doing their job, which we know that it's going to, that they are going to be doing their job up front, then I think there will be those opportunities for Juan Thornhill to get and others to get those takeaways. Ashley, we've, we haven't been around Juan Thornhill a lot, but we have gotten a chance to talk to him. We've seen him uh, in a few OTA practices. We've seen him at minicamp. What are your early impressions uh, of Juan? Yeah. I mean, I think he brings like a good energy, like we kind of talked about before. And I think just the fact that he is a guy who has, won Super Bowls already in his career. I mean, I think that's key because, you know, we we talk about it. I think sometimes messages coming from players for other players are more impactful than messages coming from coaches and those authoritarian figures, sort of, who it's different when the guy next to you is telling you something, which is why I think even like a guy like Rodney McLeod is such an important addition for this defense as they try to install a new defense. But yeah, I definitely think like the ball hawk tendencies for him in terms of what he can do on the field is going to be key because this defense has, we've talked about it time and time again, they really struggled to create takeaways. And I think the more guys you have who are going out there, who are able to take advantage of what the defensive front is doing, I think that's going to be key to kind of resolving that problem. Now, the other big name there, of course, is, is a guy Browns fans are very familiar with, and that is Grant Delpit. Um, a guy that, that Lance Reisland has told us he thinks can thrive in this Jim Schwartz scheme. Mary Kay, you've mentioned it a, a number of times that this is sort of, you know, when you lose that rookie year to injury, especially to that injury, it's like, okay, so you lose your rookie year, you come back, you know, what can you really expect in that second year? Then there was last year and he had a really good second half to the season. And and this almost feels like, I, I, it almost feels like we're still waiting for Grant Delpit's first real year. Um, but here he is with Jim Schwartz as, as, as his defensive coordinator. What are your expectations for Grant in, in this secondary under Jim? You know, I, I think like some of the other guys in the secondary, I, I think it's going to be sort of a breakout year for Grant. The Browns had such high hopes for him when they drafted him in the second round. And I think they still have those high hopes for, for him. They didn't abandon those hopes. Uh, after he ruptured that Achilles, which of course, as we know, is a very difficult injury to come back from. Uh, And it seems like there have been more and more of them over the past couple of years. So hopefully the prognosis for getting back is, is getting much better because a lot of guys are really suffering this injury. But I think Grant 
has a lot more in him than he's been able to show so far. It was a stressful, it was a stressful season for the whole entire secondary last year. Uh, they were, there was some infighting. They didn't always know where they were supposed to be. They were thinking too much. They weren't always just reacting and playing fast and playing strong. So I think Grant also has some, some of those game changing plays in him that we haven't really seen yet. I think he is a, a ball hawk kind of guy too, that will be around the ball more and maybe grab some of those interceptions this year. So I think that Grant has a chance in the Jim Schwartz defense, which should be simplified uh, to to really pop off the page this year and make a name for himself. And and I think the thing with Grant too, Ashley, is it, it's easy to kind of assume, oh, this guy will play in the box. But you know, this kind of goes back to what you were saying. There is no free, there is no strong right now. And I, we saw situations in the spring where, you know, it was Juan Thornhill playing up and Grant playing deep. Um, so there's going to be opportunities for Grant to play everywhere. And I'm thinking about that Washington game where he really took advantage of some bad throws and kind of did play that free safety center field role. And he came away with two interceptions in in that game. So yeah, there's going to be opportunities for him. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's so interesting. It felt like we kind of saw him come into his own last year and maybe show a little bit of his own like kind of ball hawk tendencies. He finished with, I think four interceptions for the year, three coming over their final two or three games. So I think like he does have that kind of ability. And I think I'm curious to now see, you know, few years removed from the Achilles injury when he's able to move around. I think he used, he showed he can use his size really well. He showed he can move, I think, well for his size as well. So there is, it feels like some untapped potential with him. So I think for me, the question is, knowing how this looks under Jim Schwartz so far, is he going to be able to excel in that? And I think right now there's no reason to not think that. I think it could potentially allow him to reach that next level like Mary Kay was talking about. Mary Kay, is this the most non-defensive line intriguing position for the Browns? So it'll be like defensive line is number one, obviously, just because of Jim Schwartz. But is this like number two as far as like what it might look like? Are you to, are you confining that just to the safeties or to the secondary? Um, let's stay safeties. Okay. Um, I think there is some intrigue with the cornerbacks too, because we don't know what's happening at Nickelback. So that's something I I, I have my eyes on. But I, I would say that yeah, I could I would say that this could be the second most intriguing defensive position because of the fact that they will be playing three safeties more often, and because as we have been mentioning. Uh, that they're not uh, restricting it to free safety, strong safety, and that these guys are going to have an opportunity to to really make some plays and to um, and to to shine, maybe even challenge for Pro Bowls or something. I mean, these guys are going to have an opportunity to really look good in this defense. Ashley, how, I, I guess where would you put it if if defensive line is one, is safety right there at, at number two? Just kind of how, yeah. how are guys going to get used? How are they going to perform? Mm-hmm. There's there's so many different things that could happen here. Yeah, I would put defensive line first, safety second, corners third, linebackers fourth. Um, and yeah, it's the combination of how are guys going to get used. It's the combination of the two new guys you've brought in um, and knowing that that room does. It wasn't a complete overhaul, but it does look different at the top of the depth chart. Um, and yeah, I would rank them above corners because of that. Like, I think, you know, a lot of it, you, you talk about DBs and tandem a lot of the times, right, with those two position groups. But 
I just think overall for me, there's a bit more intrigue there because of the new names. Now, corners, I think, still have intrigue because you are talking about eh, maybe not having a dedicated slot guy. And like we talked about, maybe using, you know, more safeties out there, moving guys around so that it's not just Greg Newsom for the corners that are going up in the slot for the Browns this upcoming season. Um, and then linebackers, we kind of know they're the sort of cleanup crew right now, right? And they're the guys who you might only see two linebackers out there occasionally, which we've talked about. So I still think that the safeties for me would be the second most intriguing group because in large part of the new names that have brought, been brought in and the new responsibilities we expect them to have. And we do have to talk a little bit more about Rodney McLeod, the man that Ephraim Banda calls coach. Um, he's, but Mary Kay, it's not just that. It's not just his ability to be a leader. This is a guy that still played really well last year in Indianapolis after all those years in Philly. Um, there's still something in the tank there with Rodney. This isn't just uh, bring this guy in to be another coach on the field. He can still play. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Anthony Walker Jr., right? I mean, you go out and you get a guy like that, and you know that he's going to, going to play a role for you, that he's going to be a great locker room guy. Uh, and I sort of put Rodney in that category. And the thing that also makes Rodney so special here is that he has spent five years in Jim Schwartz's system. He's gone to a Super Bowl with Jim Schwartz. And at one point, I likened it to... Bill Belichick bringing in, uh, you know, his guys from the Giants, Pepper Johnson and Carl Banks, where they can set the tone for you. They can kind of show the way and, uh, you know, let people know what this is all about and the nuances of the defense. So if Juan Thornhill isn't exactly sure what his role is on any given play or in a situation, he can look to Rodney for help. Same thing with Grant, same thing with the cornerbacks. So he will be like a coach on the field. But it isn't just that. In the same way that Anthony Walker Jr. came in and played some really high-level linebacker for the Browns, Rodney should be able to do the same at safety. So I think he's a key piece uh, to the secondary this season. Also, Ashley, there's a couple other players in this group with De'Anthony Bell, um, you know, Bubba Bolden. We're not going to spend a ton of time on them. But but this is an area where obviously Bubba Ventrone is, is going to find somebody, a player or two, that, that's going to be able to help him. Yeah, and especially like, I mean, DeAnthony Bell was kind of such an intriguing guy in general. Remember him in the preseason last year, I think it was, where he got that interception. He got the ball from it. He was so excited. He kind of started talking about his story about just trying to find a place in the league and working construction with his dad, where, you know, his hometown, like, he, to me, just seems like one of those character guys that I could see Bubba Ventrone latching on to because he did contribute on special teams last year even if he didn't play a ton of defensive snaps and I think like those are the kind of guys who you know when you have a new special teams coordinator who's trying to bring a specific energy if they can impress in that way you know you're giving yourself a a chance there right at the very least but I do think he's another guy especially to me who he's always kind of in the back of my mind even though we know he didn't play a huge role in the defense. He's probably not going to play a huge role in the defense this year, but what else can he provide that could be valuable in a different way? All right, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of backup quarterback on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. We continue our 23 questions series. We just talked about safeties and now we're going to talk backup quarterback. And Mary Kay, your question was, is Joshua Dobbs the right backup for Deshaun Watson. So is Joshua Dobbs the right backup for Deshaun Watson? 
You know, I, I think the reason why I found this question intriguing is because of the fact that he's only started two NFL games in his entire career. And the only reason why he started those two NFL games is because the Browns cut him in November and uh, he was able to get picked up by the Titans. And because Ryan Tannehill was down with an injury and Malik Willis wasn't really ready to start those games with actually the season on the line and the playoffs at stake. They brought in Joshua Dobbs and felt that he would be better to start games for them than Malik Willis. And he went out there to a degree and, you know, he held his own. He showed some flair. He did some nice things, lost both games, lost a fumble in the, um, in, in week 18 that actually led to the game winning touchdown for the, um, the Jaguars that, that cost the Titans, the, the playoffs, but down for down, you know, in on a team where he did not know anything about anybody, he actually went in there and he held his own and he did a nice job. So I think it was good data for the Browns. They figured some things out about Joshua Dobbs. They had some game film, some real live game film to watch. And I think actually those two games really helped Joshua get this job as the number two to Deshaun Watson. Um, but I still have some concerns about if that is enough at your backup spot. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but in the event that Deshaun Watson goes down for any length of time, can you count on Joshua Dobbs to start six games, seven games, eight games? I mean, there's a lot at stake this year, so I do have some questions about this. I'm a little torn on this one. I'm I'm always like, backup quarterback is always such a weird position to me because there are guys who are backup quarterbacks and you're like, how does that guy even still have a job in the league? But the role Ashley is so strange. Like so much of it is your job is to get the starting quarterback ready. But also there is that scenario where a guy gets hurt and maybe misses two or three weeks and you've got to go in and you've got to be able to run the offense and win football games. And Josh Dobbs is a guy that didn't really get much of an opportunity until those Titans Titans games last year. He's obviously a guy they like because they brought him back. Do you trust Josh Dobbs? If we're not talking like eight, 10 games here, you know, if, if there's some serious injury, that's different, but do you trust Josh Dobbs in like a two or three game stretch to keep this team afloat? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, it's hard because the sample size is still so small. And I just keep thinking about like, you know, like you said, Dan, the backup quarterback, I need to remind people that Doug Scott and I at one point last summer did a draft of backup quarterback rooms and the Browns last year, like it kind of showed like, and it, it is hard to like have a really good one, right? And the Browns last year did have a good one because we, you know, would count Jacoby Brissett in that. I think it's totally different if Josh Jobs is your number three guy, which I really liked him in that role last year versus like the next man up if something happens. I do think what's helped is the fact that he is very, you know, he does have the ability we talked about last year, like a package of plays here and there for Josh Dobbs when Jacoby was the starter. Like, is that something that was feasible? Mary Kay brought that idea up. I was kind of all for it. If you needed, you know, something that quick, aggressive run in a, you know, in a red zone situation, maybe. So I do think there are some skills that Josh Dobbs has, but you do worry about him if it's like crunch time and Deshaun Watson is injured and you're trying to make the playoffs. Like he's very untested in that way still. I mean, I think it would have been ideally the Browns would have been able to bring Jacoby Brissett back for me. 
But Jacoby obviously played well enough that he earned, you know, a chance to compete for a starting job in Washington. So it's not surprising that he's not back. But I'm also like, what situation would be better than that? And it just wasn't going to happen because Jacoby had played well enough. Um, So it's like to have Joshua Dobbs here this year, I don't hate it. Just also obviously having DTR here now and kind of working behind him. But it is still obviously, it's, it's not a for sure, yes, this is the best possible thing they could have done. But I think even just from just Deshaun's comfortability level with Joshua Dobbs, that could also go a long way. So it is, it, it's the scales. We're weighing the scales here. <laughs> yeah, Ashley hit on that a point that I wanted to, to bring up to you, Mary How much of this is just geared towards Deshaun Watson being comfortable and feeling, you know, I guess just feeling good about everything going into this season? I think that has a lot to do with it. He had a lot to say. Uh, he had a, a, a big say in who is in that quarterback room with him. And it's two of his best friends. And I, and I think that's important. He needs support in the room. He needs support during games. And he needs support off the field. We know that about him. So even though, um, you know, in, in some situations, you might not need to have some of your best buds around you in the room. In the case of Deshaun, I, I think it's important. I really do. I think, uh, you know, he's got considerations and things to deal with that most others don't. Um, he's been with Joshua Dobbs. They've been friends since high school in Atlanta. They both work out extensively with Quincy Avery, their private quarterbacks coach, who told me that these two guys have worked out more than any quarterback duo in the NFL. So I do think that's important. I think Joshua you know, can probably look at some of Deshaun's mechanics and see if he's going wrong somewhere or or whatever. He just knows him as well as anyone. So I think that's going, going to be important. Um, same thing with DTR. He's a really, really close friend of Deshaun. So I think that had something to do with it. Um, the other thing here is that Deshaun has been very durable, except for when he tore his ACL. Now, he did it in college, and he did it again as a rookie, with the Houston Texans in 2017. But since then, he hasn't missed any games because of injury. We know he's missed games uh, because of suspension. We know he's missed games because of uh, being held out in his final season in Houston. But as far as just durability and injury, he hasn't missed games. And even though he's a mobile quarterback and they're going to run him and they're not going to live in their fears and worry about him getting hurt, um, you know, I think they feel good about his ability to stay healthy. Uh, he can't be getting sacked as much as he has over the years. But for the most part, he, you know, he should be able to stay healthy. If he doesn't stay healthy, they can always go to their free agent quarterback list or look on other rosters and try to find somebody else to come in here. But I think they feel good about the plan they have going in. Yeah, hasn't missed a game due to injury since coming back from that ACL. Um, he, he rested a game. Uh, one year when Houston was in the playoffs. That was actually, I, I believe that was the game when Derrick Henry stole the rushing title from, from Nick Chubb in 2019. And then, of course, there was uh, sitting out the, the 2021 season and the suspension last year. But um, you're right. He has been relatively healthy, and that's your hope here. Let's spend some time, though, on Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So the Browns, uh, you know, used, I think, a, a pretty high pick on a guy that, Whose, whose future is backup quarterback. Like they didn't draft him to take over for Deshaun Watson one day. Um, Mary Kay, at what point does that transition need to happen from Joshua Dobbs to DTR for that pick to kind of be justified? Yeah. I mean, 
it's a fifth round pick. So I think you can take a flyer on a fifth round pick. As we know, as we came to find out uh, a couple of months ago, the chances of becoming a, a quality starter or quality contributor in rounds three through five is about 15%. So you're really not looking for great and wonderful things necessarily out of DTR, at least in the short term. What you're looking for is a good, young, developmental quarterback that can come in here and fit in and be part of the program and see where that takes you. And, um, and, and he fits the bill. He fits the criteria of, you know, there's sort of a, some overlap in the skill set, And I think that's important too. You don't want to be reinventing the wheel in the event that you have to put Joshua Dobbs in there, or you have to put DTR in the game. Uh, you don't want everything to be so different uh, that, that guys can't make an easy adjustment to them. I think in some ways, when you look back to last season, there was a huge adjustment adjustment from Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson. And they don't want that. So, you know, he fits in in that regard. He's, you know, super high character guy. He's fun to be around, fun to talk to. He's, you know, he's got a lot going for him. I don't know, you know, what the future holds for him necessarily. But I think for this year, he he will play the right and correct role. Ashley, at what point, I mean, do you think there has to come a point in the next, like, two years when it's like, okay, DTR, you're the guy, is the backup, or could could he be the third stringer for a few years and it doesn't matter? Because like, like Mary Kay said, what else were you getting there? And she didn't say this, but, but you know, when you look at how many starters come out of that spot and you did take Cam Mitchell in that range as well, you know, you took a flyer on a guy, so that's all right. Yeah. But does he need to be the backup to justify doing that at some point? I mean, I think at some point, but I don't know that there's a hard timeline on it necessarily and I mean, again, that's kind of the benefit of taking a flyer on a guy and having Deshaun Watson wrapped up the way they do. And I think, too, it's just about and eh, this is a guy we have a chance to kind of sit back, see what happens, see, you know, if he really is everything we think he can be. And he develops quickly enough and becomes the backup and really is somebody that Deshaun Watson vibes with and everything with Deshaun goes well. And he's going to be here, I don't know, say like the next 10 years or whatever, because we know when they made the move, that's what they envisioned is Deshaun Watson being the franchise guy for a while, if he's able to hold up here. Um, so I do think it, it just overall to me, I, I don't hate where they took him. Um, I don't think there's a hard timeline on his development necessarily. Maybe he becomes like a trade piece or something in the future. We don't know. There's just so much, so much that I don't know with him that I don't hate the pick. I don't have super high. He has to meet these markers by this year in his contract. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, it's about Deshaun's comfortability to a lot with that pick for me. Okay, there we go. Our 23 question series continuing here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast with some safety talks and backup quarterback talk. You can find all these stories at cleveland.com slash Browns. We've been rolling them out uh, going back to the uh, the end of June and into July as we, we head towards training camp. Uh, so just check out cleveland.com slash Browns and become a Football Insider subscriber there. It's that blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that and get signed up. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com is what you can search on YouTube to find our YouTube channel and get subscribed there as well. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.